Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is Jezebel is Alive and Well. Jezebel is Alive and Well, 2 Kings 9, 30-37, and Revelation 2, 20-23. Going to be a little shocked after today, I think, after this passage. Uh, we just survived Halloween. Most of you, you know, uh, just a couple weeks ago we had Halloween. And there was lots of horror movies. I hope you don't watch them. I don't watch them. But lots of horror movies. And they often involve a villain coming back to life. That's really the kind of the gist of many, many horror movies and the zombie things that are coming back to life and haunting us. And we're going to see this really happen in the Bible today with Queen Jezebel. Now, we're almost done with the book of Elijah, the life of Elijah, I should say, the book, the life of Elijah. We're almost done with the life of Elijah. We're going to go into the life of Elisha next. We're almost done, though. Next week is uh, Chariots of Fire. All right, we're really there. Chariots of Fire is next week. But we can't move on until we deal with Jezebel. We already talked about what happened to Ahab. We saw that uh, last couple weeks. But we have to talk about what happens to evil Queen Jezebel. All right? Ahab uh, had already got his. But now, now remember, Jezebel had tried unsuccessfully to kill, to murder Elijah for many, many years. Couldn't do it. And he also prophesied her ultimate judgment, which is what we're going to focus on today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the worship. We thank you for all of the vets in our congregation, both the ones that are here and not here, and those who have moved on or are with you, Father. We remember them today. Father, we pray that for your mercy and grace now, for your word to speak to our hearts and to move us spiritually where you want us to be in our faith. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so... We're going to pick it up in 2 Kings, a little out of order because we're going to come back to earlier when we chariots of fire next time, but just want to get to what happens to, to Jezebel. 2 Kings 9, starting with verse 30. Then Jehu went to Jezreel. When Jezebel heard about it, she painted her eyes, arranged her hair, and looked out of the window. As Jehu entered the gate, he, she asked, Have you come in peace, Zimri, you murderer of your master? He looked up at the window and called out, who is on my side? Who? Two or three eunuchs looked down at him. Throw her down, Jehu said. So they threw her down, and some of her blood splattered the wall and the horses as they trampled her underfoot. Jehu went in and ate and drank. Take care of that cursed woman, he said, and bury her, for she was a king's daughter. But when they went out to bury her, they found nothing except her skull and her feet and her hands. They went back and told Jehu, who said, This is the word of the Lord that he spoke through his servant Elijah the Tishbite. On the plot of ground at Jezreel, dogs will devour Jezebel's flesh. Jezebel's body will be like refuse on the ground in the plot of, at Jezreel, so that no one will be able to say, This is Jezebel. Woo! going to be an uplifting sermon today. Uh, Elijah is long gone. Jezebel probably thinks she has dodged the bullet. You know, she has survived the war. But she ends up dog chow. She ends up dog chow. If you find this hard to believe, I have news for you. Just like the last sermon where I talked about how dogs eat out of gutters. And everybody was like grossed out. But that, some of you came and told me... True confession, do you have my dog? I catch it, catch it rolling in this and eating this. and they, they all do it. 
All right? I have news for you. Uh, the same thing is true, just like all dogs will eat out of the gutter. The other, the other thing that is true is your dog will eat you if it's hungry enough. I don't care well, how much it loves you. It will eat you if it's hungry enough. In fact, uh, you see in the news these horrifying stories of pets eating their owners. And, and I have I got a great article here. Horrifying stories of animals eating their owners and other grisly details we learned about our pets from a forensic anthropologist. I'm not going to go into detail. Relax. But I'm just going to read you the brief headline parts, okay? Carolyn Rando, Ph.D., is a forensic anthropologist. She helps solve crimes and stuff but involving pets. She says this, yes, your pets will eat when you die, and perhaps a bit sooner than is, is comfortable for you. Your dog might, this is what she says, your dog just might try to eat you while you're passed out and drunk. This case involves a middle-aged woman who got too drunk, passed out. Her dog thought she was dead and started to nibble on her. I won't go into details, nibble on her. Uh, she, and she says, in case you're wondering, why would, this is all true, why would Fluffy want to eat me after my death? In many cases, the simple answer is instinct, Rando says. It's instinct. The instinct takes over after you die. Dogs, now here we go. Dogs normally don't eat you immediately after you die, but there's always an exception to the rule. Unlike wild animals, there's usually a waiting period before a domesticated dog will ravish your body. And this happens all the time. People die and, and, and there's nobody finds them and the dog it has to eat. So, uh, but, but they usually wait. But then she tells some stories how sometimes they really don't wait till the person is completely dead. Uh, I'm not going to read the details. Here we go. You're not safe with cats either. They also will eat you. She references another case involving a horde of cats. There's lots of these stories. But there's a guy who actually committed suicide by taking a whole bunch of pills. And he committed suicide and he died. And he had 10 cats, and they didn't find him for a little bit. When they got there, he was dead, and the cats were all dead because they ate him, and they got the, 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 the medication, too, and it killed the cats. All right? That's as deep as I'm going. Anyway, uh, there's a lot more I could read. No, no, here, here we go. And hamsters are the worst of all. <laughs> oh, this is so funny. All right. I'm not going to read you what she says because it's way too gross. But Chicky... Our chickie had two hamsters. I don't know if you remember years ago, she had these two little dwarf, uh, Chinese dwarf hamsters, those little ones. And she, they were so cute. She was cute. They, you know, she'd carry them around, hug them, put them in her pocket. She had her two, they just hung out together. They were beautiful. And I said, and she named one chickie and the other one Chucky. I suggested Chucky. She did it. So we had Chicky and Chucky. And I'll never forget, one day she came freaking out into the room and said, it's horrible. Chicky murdered Chucky and he's chewing his, chewing his hat off, you know. It's true. It's true. It was, that's as far as I'm going. But anyway. Now, here's another interesting thing she says. Contrary to popular opinion, exotic animals like snakes and lizards won't eat you. Everybody's afraid of snakes and lizards, right? But, you know, having them as pets. But they're safer than dogs and cats. She says, ironically, many people fear lizards and snakes, which make them unpopular choices as pets. But according to Rando, they don't even, uh, they usually don't even uh, eat you after you die. I would say it's more likely for your cute, cuddly pet to eat you after you're dead. And exotic pets are probably less likely to kill you, too. Most cases are of dog attacks or cat bites that get infected. Most, then this is what she ends with. Most of us would like to think that our pets would not want to consume us after our deaths. But this is, of course, not always the case. 
So the next time you're holding your little puppy and it's licking your face, just remember it's probably a taste test. It's a taste <laughs> test. <laughs> You'll never look at your pet the same again, will you? Farm, farm boys know all this. Yeah, we know. We see it, you know. So Jezebel gets eaten, right? And that's what dogs do, you know. Trust me. That's what dogs do. They eat dead stuff. Uh, so she's eaten. The wicked Jezebel, the wicked witch is dead, just like the Wizard of Oz, the wicked witch is dead. But she didn't stay dead. She's the zombie queen, as we will see. She's the zombie queen. She really died. Her body is still dead. It's now dog doo-doo. That's what he says. She'll become refuse. You know, the dogs are going to poop it out. You know, that's what he's saying. You know, that's what, that's what Elijah said. I'm just reading you what the Bible said, right? Going to be dog doo-doo. But the demon that identified with her and energized her is still going strong. She was a demonized woman and that demon is still going strong. You see these horror movies sometimes where where that someone has a demon, they pass it on to the next person who passes it on to the next person, usually through sexual sin or something. I hope you don't watch those, but you know there's these kind of movies that they pass on the demon from victim to victim. That's what Jezebel's demon has done over thousands of years. And it's not just Jezebel's demons. It, we see this with the spear of the Antichrist, the demon that energizes the Antichrist. The spear of the Antichrist, I'll just lay the groundwork with this. 1 John 4, 1 to 3. Talking about the Antichrist spirit. We think, well, the Antichrist is going to show up in the book of Revelation. Oh, no. Been here a long, long time. In fact, look at verse 1. 1 John 4, verse 1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. Already in the world. It's vital to test prophetic words. There's so many, so many prophecies and prophetic words. It's very important to test all of them. First, uh, Thessalonians 5, 19, uh, do, not, do not put out the Spirit's fire, do not treat prophecies with contempt, test everything, hold on to the good, avoid every kind of evil. It's important to test the prophecies to see if they're from God or not. And the first test, obviously, is whether it comes true. If someone gives a prophetic word about something that's going to happen and it doesn't happen, false prophet, we don't get to throw stones anymore, but shut them out. You know, there's boundary. And it's crazy how many of these prophetic ministries make these amazing prophecies that never happen, and people keep on sending money, keep on sending money. It's crazy. They're false prophets. But another test, then the other test here, according to 1 John 4, 1 to 3, is if a prophet says something contrary to what the Bible teaches about Jesus Christ, then they are false prophets. And that's what he's talking about here. They, they were saying something that was contrary to what the Bible teaches about Jesus. And that's a test of, of, a, of, a, of, a, a prof, of a, whether the prophecy is false, whether the spirit that is speaking through that prophet, whether it's really the Holy Spirit or whether it's a false prophet. I'll use the example of Joseph Smith. 
Joseph Smith, who started the Mormon religion, uh, he was given uh, the, the angel Morani, short, I shorten that to Moron, uh, Morani came in, gave him this whole new revelation about who Jesus really was. Jesus wasn't the one and only Son of God. He's really the, this is what Mormons believe. It's not an, another evangelical denomination like they try to pass off all the time, like a lot of even Christians believe. No, they, they teach that Jesus, from Morani to Joseph Smith to us, uh, that, that Morani, that Jesus was a brother of Satan. Lucifer and, and, and Jesus were brothers, and they were both sons of Jehovah. And and he's not. And they got in a fight over who's going to had the best plan to redeem our planet. And and Jehovah picked Jesus' plan, and so that's why Lucifer turned against Jesus. This is a bunch of garbage, and not just that's just that, but salvation by works. And there's so many things that they twist about Jesus. They said, "Well, we believe in Jesus, yeah, but it's a different Jesus." They put their faith in Jesus, just like we do. No, no. You put your faith in a false Jesus. It's a false Jesus. And that's what demonic spirits do. That's what you have to test the spirit. And, and it goes on all over the place. Even in the church, there's a lot of false spirits speaking. If, and if you suspect, if we suspect it's a false spirit, it's very important to confront that person. If they're saying something that goes against the word of God, or we sense that's happening and we con- we confront that person and even the spirit itself and it becomes quickly evident. You'd be shocked at how people respond when you confront them with the word of God and they claim to be a prophet or a prophetess and ooh, the, ooh, the daggers, the anger, the rage, the crazy thing. How dare you question me? And, and if you push hard enough and you rebuke in, in Jesus' name, You'll be shocked that the spirits start speaking out of their mouth. You, it becomes very, very evident. That's enough. Uh, you know, it's very, very evident. They'll even manifest and react in that person. And so it's awesome. The prophetic spirit's awesome, you know, if it's the Holy Spirit. But if it's not the Holy Spirit, like First Thessalonians 5.19 says, do not treat prophecies with contempt. No, no, don't do that. But test everything. Test. Test everything. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything to see whether it's good or bad. Very, very important. Because if it's the Holy Spirit, we better not ignore it. If the Holy Spirit's speaking, we better not ignore it. But if it's a false spirit, we better, you know, better sh- shut that out right away. And the demonic spirit of the Antichrist is at work all throughout history. All throughout history. We see many types. If you are a history if you study history, you can follow the history of the spirit of Antichrist all throughout history. Easy one. Talking about the war. Hitler. Hitler definitely had the spirit of the Antichrist. No doubt about it. That amazing magnetic power he had and the evil he did persecuting the Jews and Christians. Uh, spirit of the Antichrist. We even see that spirit in uh, not too long ago in our country where we saw the same spirit of the Antichrist closer home. Think of of uh, just pay attention to when a politician is a very smooth speaker and very popular with the whole world loves them. Uh, sorry, uh, Trump's not the Antichrist. He is too not not well liked. Sorry, sorry, some people want to make him. It's not. He's not well liked by the whole world. But we've seen other politicians that have been re- worshipped by the world and huge crowds in Europe and and smooth and claim to be Christian but living against Christ or, and and uh, the fruit is against Christ. That's all the spirit of the antichrist pay attention 
pay attention because finally the real Antichrist is going to rise to the top and gonna, all these types are all going to come together, converge together, and we're going to see it all happen. Uh, we're going we're to see the final embodiment of the Antichrist spirit in the book of Revelation where he will take over the world and be defeated by the true Christ, Jesus Christ. So that lays the groundwork for what happens with Jezebel. The demonic spirit of Jezebel has also been active throughout history. And we also find her at work in the book of Revelation also, just like the Antichrist in the book of Revelation, Revelation 2, verse 18. I'll pick it up here. Uh, The letter to the church of Thyatira. To the angel of the church in Thyatira write, these are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely, lest they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. This is Jesus speaking to the church. This is not the world he's speaking to. He's speaking to the church. You know that loving Jesus who sits around picking up sheep, lambs and children and you know that, that Jesus? Forget it. This is the real Jesus. Now I say to you, verse 24... Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you. Only hold on to what you have until I come. To uh, They'll stop there. Hold on to what you have until I come. Now I want to focus here on 20 to 23. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess. She's in the church, right? She's a prophetess in the church. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. Sexual immorality and idols. Remember that. Hang on. Verse 21, I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling, so I will cast her on a bed of suffering and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely until they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. So we see here that the two key sins of Jezebel in the book of Revelation here are idolatry and sexual immorality and that God will strike her children dead. And this is, once again, she gets this from the demon of Jezebel. Think of what Jezebel was known for, idolatry and the idolatry which involves sexual orgies and the sacrifice of children. We've talked about this many times. That's what the Baal worship was. It was Orgies, that's why it's so popular. It was coming to church and get involved in an orgy, right? Uh, it was orgies and it was uh, the sec- sacrifice of children. That's what the worship of the idol Baal involved. Sexual orgies and the sacrifice of children. And then God ended up killing her family, completely wiped out, which is what he's saying. I'm going to kill your children here in Revelation. That's what he did to the original Jezebel. Now, 
the seven churches of Revelation, of which Thyatira is one of them, were actual historical churches. He's writing a definite letter to a definite church here. But they are also a prophetic picture of seven stages in world history. You can follow the the story of Christianity from the time it was established until right now by following these seven stages of the seven churches. I believe we're in the last stage, by the way. I believe we're in that that final stage. And they are also a a prophetic picture of the church today. Every age. Every age can take these seven churches and apply them to the, 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 the church that, age that they're in and see these seven churches represent different types of churches. In the world today and in the, in, in the U.S. today, you can find these seven types right now. And sadly, the church of Thyatira plays a prominent role in the U.S.A. today. Jezebel included. This is, for us, the spirit of Jezebel is alive and well in the USA today. Going to connect some dots. I'm going to offend everybody, so just be ready. Put on your seatbelts. Wait till I'm done. Wait till I'm done, because I'm gonna, and you're not the only one to be offended. We're going to offend everybody here. We're going to start with someone who might surprise you with the spirit of Jezebel. Then again, maybe it won't. Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton. Now, I'm not bringing up Hillary Clinton, the politician. I'm not bringing up, because I don't, if someone's not a Christian and they're a politician, I'm not going to apply the word, it doesn't matter. But I'm talking about Hillary Clinton who claims to be a Christian, claims to be a follower, claims to be born again. Yes, she does. Uh, and, And who brought up, Hillary, who brought up the prophet Elijah recently in a national speech she gave. I don't know if you followed that, caught that. She brought up Elijah, preaching from the same book we are. Hillary's comments were, I'm going to read them to you, were uh, at Elijah Cummings' funeral. Hillary Clinton, I'm just going to read a few things here, comments at the funeral for the House Oversight Committee Chairman Elijah Cummings, a Maryland Democrat who died on October 17th uh, at age 68. Clinton, during her speech at this funeral, she took direct aim at President Trump during a nationalized television televised memorial service for Cummings, she said, comparing Cummings to the prophet Elijah. This is Hillary. Now, this is what she says. She's comparing Cummings to the prophet Elijah, the biblical figure for whom the congressman was named. Clinton said to allow a little applause that like that Old Testament prophet, he stood against the corrupt leadership of King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. That's why I'm addressing this. Basically saying, Elijah Cummings was an Elijah who stood against Ahab, Trump, and, and his queen, right? Elijah Cummings was no Elijah. If he had been a real Elijah, Hillary Clinton would not have been allowed to speak at his funeral. Never would have been an honored guest at his funeral. Elijah was known for saving a child's life and bitterly fought against the child's sacrifice that was involved in the worship of Baal. That's what the real Elijah did. Elijah Cummings did just the opposite. I'm going to read you. I looked up his his, uh, record on uh, voting. This is his voting record. He voted yes on allowing human embryonic stem cell research. 
harvesting body parts of the ba aborted babies. He voted no on restricting internet transport of minors to get an abortion. You know, the same girl who can't get her ears pierced without her mother's uh, permission can be transported to another state to have a, a baby killed, her baby killed. He voted no on making it a crime to harm a fetus during another crime. You're pregnant, you're ready to have your baby, and someone comes up and shoots you. You live, but the baby dies. That's not a crime. No crime has been committed. And this is the worst. He voted no on banning partial birth abortion, even except to save a mother's life. No exceptions. He voted he, no way can, can abortion, partial birth abortion, be banned. You know, partial birth abortion is when you deliver the baby feet first and you leave the baby's head in the, in the canal and then you kill the baby. That's what it means. That's what it does. And there's no medical benefit to it at all. That's Elijah Cummings. Elijah Cummings. He, Elijah Cummings, who is, was, is black, helped the racist Planned Parenthood with racial genocide of his own race. Margaret Sanger was an incredible racist. She started Planned Parenthood. Her goal was to limit black children being born. She started out with, with birth control, and that's what she pushed, and she got the black pastors in America, many of them, to jump on the bandwagon. And then it evolved into abortion, and the, the black pastors, many of them, never jumped off the bandwagon. They still support Planned Parenthood. It's unbelievable. And, and that's what this black politician helped racist Planned Parenthood accomplish its goal. Today, the black population is about 10% of our population, but they are, are responsible for 33% of the abortions. Think about that. 10% to 33%. It, Margaret Sanger's goal is being accomplished through Elijah Cummings and Hillary Clinton. It's racial genocide, and many black people are waking up to that fact and starting to speak up. Now, I remember when the Clintons, uh, go back to, back to Hillary. He was no, Elijah Cummings was no Elijah, and Hillary, but Hillary is a Jezebel. She has a spirit of Jezebel. She's motivated by the same demonic spirit to kill. She has led many Christians into the same thing that Jezebel did. Led many so-called Christians into idolatry. The worship of Baal. I remember when she was running for president. And I remember these Christian women, they said, well, we're Roman Catholic and, and we're having trouble voting for you because you support abortion completely. You've never done anything to try to stop it. And we're just struggling with that. We, we want to vote for you because we love you, but we just can't get this abortion thing out of our head. And I'll never forget the interchange. I'll never forget it. Hillary starts tearing up. Oh, I know how you feel because I'm a Christian too. But it's the law of the land. And we have to support it. Even if we don't want to, we have to protect these women's rights and, and, and their health too. And, and she starts crying and they start crying. Oh, thank you for helping me understand this, Hillary. We're going to vote for you now. That's leading people, Christians, into a, a, idolatry. It's shocking. 
And she is also, the sexual sin, she has also given her husband permission to commit sexual sin, to abuse women. Clearly has involved in rape of women. Clearly. Savage. But what, how did Hillary respond to these victims? Did she listen to them? Did she defend them? No, she savaged these women who brought forth these accusations. Savaged them. They became victimized twice. I remember when the Clintons rose to prominence, national prominence. He was running for president. It looked like he was going to get elected. And they were, and, and I dealt with it in church. I was a youth pastor and they let me preach one week, just once. Uh, and they, they, and, and I said, these Clintons claim to be Christians, but their fruit is wicked. Their fruit is wicked. Matthew 7.15 says this. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Verse 20 says, thus by their fruit you will recognize them. I said the Clintons, fruit... This is before you became president. I said, they are Ahab and Jezebel, and you can tell it by their fruit. Don't listen to what they say about their faith. It's their fruit. Their voting record. I'm not judging their, I'm voting their actions. We're not allowed to judge hearts. We judge actions. And the actions were that it showed. I said this from the pulpit. They are another Ahab and Jezebel. And I got some pushback, you know, it was a little while for let me preach again. But, but, the fruit has confirmed it. Okay. If you're offended, don't worry. Now I'm going to offend everybody else. If you're here and you're not offended, you're going to be in just a minute. Because the next dot I'm going to connect is to Paula White. Paula White. Paula White. I'll just read the headline. White House appoints Paula White to oversee faith outreach. President Donald Trump's go-to spiritual advisor and longtime prayer partner, Paula White, has been named to an official White House position in the Office of Public Liaison. Okay, uh, here we go. Uh, Paula White has pastored several mega churches, which completely contradicts the Word of God. The Bible can't be any more clear that a woman cannot pastor, be the senior pastor of a church. It can't get any more clear than that. Anybody who says different is totally disregarding and contradicting God's word. The, she's a word of faith teacher, like Joel Osteen. She's a word of faith teacher. She has an idol. She, believes, she worships an idol, and it's called money. It's a money idol. You don't believe me? Uh, let me just read you this little uh, headline here. This is right after she was appointed Trump's spiritual advisor. She was at a big rally, and she said, God... Already spoke to me, Trump's spiritual advisor predicts visions for those who give money to her ministry. This happens all the time. Paula White, President Trump's personal spiritual advisor and recent addition to his administration, told the congregation at a service over the weekend that God would provide guidance to those who donate to her ministry. I want you to hear from God. God already spoke from me, spoke to me. Now I want you to hear. And if you give money to me, she says, you're going to write your checks to the Paula White ministry because this is power night. She was allowing the congregation a special chance to tithe. Every single person gets something significant. If you give money to me, you will get something significant. Do you want to hear from me? Do you want to hear from God? I'm sorry. Then send Paula me money. 
White later said in the prayer, in her prayer, that what she was proposing was not buying a miracle, but simply being obedient. These are scam artists. Scam. You read her history and, and the, the government's investigator and the, the, the horrible things she has said in the name of Jesus Christ. This, this is idolatry. And not only, not only has she set up a false idol, but she has also promoted sexual sin. I'm talking about the spirit of Jezebel. Idolatry and sexual sin. She divorced her first husband to marry Pastor Randy White, who also divorced his wife so he could marry her. Pastor. They got divorced so they could marry each other. So they could pastor churches, and they ended up pastoring, pastoring big mega churches. Who goes to these churches? Thousands. And then she divorced Randy after seven years, but they stayed business partners, essentially. And you can follow the trail of greed. It's unbelievable. And then... She recently married Jonathan Cain. Everybody know the band Journey? He's in the band Journey. She recently married him. But first he had to divorce his second wife so that he could marry her. Uh, what, what is she conveying to people? Sexual sin, sexual immorality. And yet she's considered one of the most influential evangelical ministry leaders in the USA today. She's the face of the evangelical church to many. And she just wrote a new book, and they have the evangelical leaders who came under fire for promoting her new book. I, I'm not even going to read you their names. It's, I'm too ashamed of the body of Christ. I'm, I'm too ashamed. I'm too embarrassed for Jesus to read you these men's names who, who pushed her book and then later have deleted some of their tweets or texts or whatever they do. Yeah, they deleted them, but it, it, it's shocking. I'm not, I'm not going to read them. But... Russell Moore, the head of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention, blasted White as a Charlton, recognized as a heretic by every Orthodox Christian of whatever tribe. I wish that were true. And then, Michael Horton of Westminster Seminary accused White of teaching that God came not to bring forgiveness of our sins, but to give us the power to claim prosperity. He's right. That's what she did. That's what she did. The spirit of Jezebel has permeated the church. And Paula White and Hillary Clinton are just two ex- visible manifestations. Just two that you can see clearly. But they have the, 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 they have the spirit of Jezebel and they have permeated the church. And God is going to church, judge the church in the USA today. Not for the sin of Jezebel. But for, remember Revelation, tolerating the sin of Jezebel. We don't get judged for Paula White. We get judged for tolerating her. That's what we're going to be judged for. It, and it's not the struggle with sin that God judges. It's the not struggling. We all struggle with sin. We all struggle with idolatry. We all struggle with sexual immorality. We all do. It's not that struggle that God judges. It's the not struggling. And so many in the church have bought the Jezebel's demonic lie of idolatry and sexual sin. Paul White is just the tip of the iceberg. I was on a website the other day looking at this this well-known TV website of all the Christian speakers. Someone was asking me for their advice, and I looked at it. And nine out of the ten of the, the people in this TV agenda listing were word of faith teachers 
Nine out of ten. There was a couple of good ones sprinkled in there, David, Jeremiah, and a couple. But the most of them were these word of faith teachers. And it was so sad because that's what 90% of the people in America are watching. Nine out of those ten. And they think that's Christianity. It's a false gospel. It's a twisted, demonic teaching. And that's what people are listening to. Paula White is just a tip of the iceberg. The, the spirit of Jezebel is alive and well in the USA today. When, when the most popular singer in the U.S., Christian singer in the U.S., says she doesn't know if homosexuality is a sin, and her mega church pastor affirms her, then the spirit of Jezebel has permeated the church. And you talk about ironic, you talk about God's rebuke on this. We, we have Lauren Dangle and Andy Stanley muddying the waters, right? And then you have Kanye West preaching holiness. Is God rebuking us with an ironic rebuke? Kanye West, he has to raise up a Kanye West to preach the gospel? It's crazy. When we have a celebrity celebrated as Hollywood's Christian spokesperson, I'm not going to name names here. I've done it plenty. Uh, but, but he divorces his wife. He is living with his new girlfriend. He finally marries her. And he's gushed over by the Christian media. Nobody says anything. He's gushed over. We're so great to have a, a great actor like this as a Christian in Hollywood. Gushed over. Adored at his mega church. And a real strong evangelical church. Gushed over. Nobody said one word to him. It's too bad Kanye West isn't the pastor. He would have confronted him. The, 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 the spirit of Jezebel has permeated the church in the USA today. Completely permeated. Listen, we all struggle with idolatry and sexual immorality. We're not, there's a lifelong battle for every one of us. Keep fighting. Keep getting back up and fighting. Keep getting back up. Keep going to God's throne of grace for mercy and grace. Keep going for that mercy and grace. We're not judging the struggle. We're ju- God judges not struggling. Keep going for that mercy and grace. But if we have an attitude that it's okay, We have no chance. The USA church has no chance. This country has no chance. It's finished. The church in the USA today is in grave danger of being judged with the world. Grave danger. What have we tolerated? What idolatry and or sexual immorality have we tolerated in our life? Have we tolerated... It's so tricky. It's so... so seductive. It's so, and it's it's everywhere. You watch a movie. You, you know, listen to movies. Sometimes I'll say to someone, oh, "You really, ooh, you really watch that movie? Well, what's wrong with that?" I'm like, "Well, I happen to know blah blah X Y and Z happened in that movie. Well, it's just a little part of it. It's just a little part of it." And so I I often use this story. I heard this a long time ago, and I use it with people all the time. I say, "Well, what if I invited you over to have dessert at my house?" And I Bake some brownies, but I mixed it all up. Everything's good, but I also went over to the kitty litter, scooped out a couple of dro- droppings there, and put it into the brownie and cooked it. Would you eat the brownies? Oh, no, that's gross. How good? Well, it's just a little bit. 90% of the brownies are fine. It's just a little bit. You still eat the brownies, right? Oh, no. <laughs> right? But we do the same with what we watch and what we listen to and what we read. 
it's shocking what Christians now eat, watch, digest. How have we listened to Jezebel? How do we need to repent? How is the Holy Spirit convicting us today? In Revelation 2, verse 24, Jesus' words, Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you. Listen to this. Only hold on to what you have until I come. Hold on. Jesus is coming. And because he is coming, in 2 Peter 3.10, it tells us something waiting for him to come. It says, Second uh, Peter 3.10, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. Are we preparing for Jesus' coming? Are you ready for Jesus to come again? Have you acted on his first coming? If you haven't acted on his first coming, you're not ready for the second coming, which is going to be a judgment for those who have not put their faith in Jesus Christ. Have you, have you acted on his first coming the first coming was was to die on a cross for us to pay for our sin to take our place and our punishment to give us a chance to have a relationship with god with his father god that was the first coming it was a, a merciful coming the second one is going to be to take us out as christians and to judge the world have you acted on that first coming when he died on the cross to pay for our sin john three sixteen says for god so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life have you acted on his first coming let's pray have you ever put your faith in jesus christ have you ever given your life To Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish. But have eternal life. Are you ready for the second coming of Jesus Christ? Have you acted on his first coming by putting your faith in Jesus? You can do that right now. This very moment, praying the prayer of faith in your heart to God. God, I believe, I put my faith in Jesus who died on that cross for me. I put my faith in him. I repent of sin. I turn away from my old life. I ask you to wash me clean and make me a new person. Because I'm putting my faith in Jesus. I'm giving my life to you, God. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, 
something amazing, life-changing, eternity-changing has happened. God, the Spirit of God is living inside you. You made you a new person, washed you clean, and called you to a brand new life in Jesus. A life of holiness, a life of purpose, a life of God's power. I want to encourage you to let somebody know. Tell, tell someone before you leave today. Let somebody know. Tell me. Fill out the card. Put it in the, put it in the box. Text me. Call me. Tell somebody today. For the rest of us, how is God speaking to us? As Christians, will we approach the throne of grace for mercy and grace no matter what we have done, no matter what we're doing, no matter what we do do? We can still go to God's mercy, the throne and get, find mercy and grace. Maybe God is leading us to confess, to find accountability with someone or with a group. Maybe it's the Pure Life, the, you know, the Pure Life Ministry group or about anybody to find another Christian to, to share the struggle with and to get our freedom. Father, we pray that we know that we are constantly being bombarded by the spirit of Jezebel, by the spirit of the Antichrist. Lord, I pray that your word, we would be in your word, and your word, the truth of your word, would, would be our defense. We would lift up the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith and put on the helmet of salvation and, and fight this spiritual battle. I pray that we would be holy, that we wouldn't have to fear the return of your son, Jesus Christ, but we could look forward to it. We would speed it through holy lives. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen.